0: Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress.
1: Amen. Well, let's dive into the word this morning uh, all together. Now, just for for reference, uh, we have a couple of working definitions of what the word promise means to give us context uh, as we talk about God as a promise keeper. Uh, The word promise is defined as a declaration. So it's something spoken, uh, a declaration that something will or will not be done that something will or will not be given. It is also an express assurance, and I love that. It is an express assurance upon which expectation is to be based. How many of you realize that the word of God is God's express assurance upon which we can base our expectations? God gave us his word and that is the foundation upon which we can base all of our expectations of him. Another word that's used interchangeably with the word promise is the word covenant. A covenant is an agreement, usually formal between two or more parties, to do or not to do something specified. Uh, there are conditional promises made by God to man as revealed in Scripture, and we will be exploring some of those promises this Morning. But because we, we've just come off of the Thanksgiving holiday, just really had in our heart just the sense that we've needed to share a message that would, would encourage families this morning. We also have our students with us in this worship experience this morning, and we trust that something we share this morning will encourage you as a parent, will encourage you as a child, will encourage you as a family member as we discover God's promise to the family. Amen. God's promise to the family. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the word together. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you uh, that you give us ears to hear uh, what you desire to speak to our hearts today. Uh, Father, I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers also. For it is in the doing of your word that our lives are transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so we've chosen for our anchor text, Acts chapter number 16. It is a somewhat obscure passage of scripture. It may be familiar to some of you, but I'll kind of give you the backstory. I'll kind of give you the context to what's happening in Acts chapter 6. Paul and Silas have gone into Philippi preaching the gospel. Upon arriving in Philippi, uh, they're, they're, they're thronged by this multitude of people. But there's this young girl who's following them around, and she continues to repeat these same words, these men are men of God, listen to what they got to say. That's the pastor Ray version, amen, the PRV. But she continued with him for three days, exclaiming, proclaiming at the top of her lungs, these men are men of God, listen to what they have to say. Now, something interesting happens on the third day. Somebody say the third day. Uh, Because on the third day, the scripture says that Paul was vexed in his spirit. And he turns to this girl and rebukes the spirit by which she was speaking. Now, the Bible says she said these things by a spirit of divination. How many of you realize that it is possible to be around people and for people to be around you who are saying the right things, but with the wrong motive? And sometimes you do not detect it instantly. Sometimes it takes a day or two. And here's this young lady saying the right things, but she is saying the right things with the wrong spirit. Mm -hmm. Can I just pump the brakes there for a second? I said this message was for families, but let me throw something out there for the single people. If you're single in here, if you ain't married, if he ain't put a ring on it yet, my counsel to you is give it time because you can't hide stink. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the stink doesn't manifest on day one because they're saying all the right things. This girl was saying all the right things that even attracted more people to Paul and Silas but she was speaking by a demonic spirit. Paul wasn't vexed in the spirit on day two. She was saying all the right things. And on the third day, the Lord revealed to Paul the spirit by which she spoke. Sometimes the truth doesn't manifest on day one, so give it time. Now, this is what happened. When Paul rebukes the spirit, spirit comes out of the girl. And then the, this, this was a slave girl. Her owners come and they create this big ruckus, this big scene. Because now they can no longer profit from this girl's gift. She was like a fortune teller. This was probably the original Miss Cleo when she was a teenager. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Y'all remember Miss Cleo, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and, so, and so Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. Now notice what happens after they're thrown in prison as a result of this interaction with this slave girl and her owners. The scripture says this, that they were thrown into the inner prison and put into stocks. Now, can I give you context for what the inner prison was? This was no ordinary prison cell. The inner prison was at the very bottom of the prison and in the prisons in Rome. I'm not trying to be crude or crass. <laughs> if you were on that first level, then there was an opening or several openings in the floor. Where if you had to relieve yourself, it went from that floor down to the inner prison. Now, now can, I pump, can I stop there for a second? All of this is happening to Paul and Silas while they are in the middle of doing the will of God. This didn't happen to Paul and Silas because they were disobedient to the call of God. They were smack dab in the middle of the will of God and their lives get turned upside down. Here is the most prolific preacher of his day preaching the gospel He and his traveling companion, Silas, have now been flogged mercilessly. Not only have they been flogged, they've been thrown into the inner prison and they've been put in these stocks. But the scripture says, in spite of their pain, Paul and Silas began to worship. Can I, can I just say this? That what we call worship must extend beyond the first 15 minutes of what we do on Sunday morning when we gather. That Sunday morning is not just, or worship is not just the songs we sing, but it is a lifestyle. That it is a lifestyle that we practice. It is a lifestyle that we subscribe to, not only when life is good, but even when our life seems to be falling apart. Can can I just say this, that the moment you say from your lips, I'm a Christian, the scrutiny goes to a whole nother level, that things that are excusable for others are no longer excusable for you because you name the name of Christ. And in the midst, in the midst of this difficult circumstance, Paul and Silas do the one thing they know to do, and that is to turn to the promise keeper. Remember, we said this last week. Whoever you turn to first in your time of adversity reveals where you've placed your trust. If the first person I talk to turn to is Big Mama, Big Mama's become my source. If the first person I talk to is, turn to is my boss or my best friend or my girl or my dude, I've revealed the source of my trust. Yet the scripture says that the arm of the flesh. Is a weak place to put your trust. In the midst of their lives falling apart, they begin to worship. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because in Acts chapter 16, let me just read this, uh, beginning over here in verse number, in verse number uh, 25. I'll begin reading in verse number twi- 25, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. The scripture says, "But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying." And they were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were what? Listening to them. How many of you realize that sometimes your worship is not just for you? Sometimes your prayer is not just for you, and it's it's not just about you. There are people in close proximity who need to see you walk this thing out in faith because there are people watching to see whether this thing we say we believe is actually real. And a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And the the challenge is sometimes when we go through a difficult situation or difficult circumstance, we become so self-absorbed that we forget that other people are watching and other people are listening. Here's one of the reasons I love the story of Job. Most of us remember only part of what Job's wife said after his life fell apart. And again, let me just reiterate this. Job's life fell apart while he was honoring God. While he was offering sacrifices to God. While God himself said, this man is a righteous man. He is a blameless man. He is a good man. Now, when everything fell apart, notice what Job's wife, anybody remember what Job's wife said? What what she said? Why don't you do what? Why don't you curse God and die? It's only a part of what she said. Go back and read the verse. This is what she says. She says, Job, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? His wife was blown away by the fact that Job was just as consistent, that Job was just as faithful in the bad times as he was in the good. His own wife says just forget about this God. He ain't no promise keeper. Get out of here with that nonsense, Job. What kind of promise keeper is he? Our kids are gone. Their children are gone. Our livestock, have, we've lost everything. And Job, you're still holding on to your integrity? you still going to worship him? You're still going to praise him? And unfortunately... That's where most of us live. We love God in the good times, and we curse him in the bad. Can I just say this? Uh, uh, For the men, we are the thermostat that determines the spiritual climate in our homes. If we fall apart, if we throw in the towel, everything connected to us follows suit. That's why the scripture says in Jeremiah, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It has always been the strategy of the enemy. If I could take out the shepherd, the sheep have no guidance. They have no protection. They have no I see Pastor Jesse here, a retired lieutenant colonel, U.S. Army Ranger. I see Tony Stone, U.S. Army veteran. I see several others. I'm a veteran myself. One of the first things they taught us about etiquette in the field when we're deployed is you never salute. Y'all forgot? No, he said it. Oh, 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 you said it. Okay, my bad. Y'all go. And Patrick Favors is a veteran as well. You never salute an officer in the field. Simple reason why you don't salute an officer in the field is because if there's a sniper out there, he knows who the decision maker is. And he ain't going to go after anybody but the decision maker because if he can take out the decision maker, chaos and confusion ensues. It's one of the reasons why in the field, we wear what's called subdued rank. You don't wear that glossy metal rank because from a distance, a sniper can identify that this is an officer. If he's an officer, he's a decision maker, and that's who I'm going after. Listen to me. Listen to me. If we're going to have strong families, we got to have strong men. And we have to be the ones who hold on to our integrity when life is at its hardest, because that's the way God has created us. And that is the responsibility and the mandate that he has given us. What am I saying? What am I saying? What what Paul and Silas did was they leaned into the promise keeper even when the promise of God wasn't evident. Well, God, I thought you were going to protect me. I thought you were going to keep me from evil. Lord, what's up with Psalm 91? And in the midst of that, They pressed into God. Notice what the scripture says in verse 26. As they worshiped, then suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You need something shaken in your life? Go vertical with God. There are some things in life that only prayer and only worship can change. There are some things in life that only prayer and worship can dislodge. And again, the onus is on us as the men to lead. The responsibility God has given us, given us as men is threefold. He has called us to be the prophet of our home. You know what a prophet did? The prophet was an outspeaker for God. He heard from God and then declared to the people, thus saith the Lord. Our responsibility as men, our responsibility as husbands, is to lean and incline to God and begin to hear from God for the direction for our families. Unfortunately, most men have relinquished anything spiritual that happens in the house of their wives. Well, you go pray. You go to Bible study. Yet God calls us to stand as the prophets who hear from God and speak what God says to our family. Baby, I was in prayer, and this is what I believe God says we should do. Uh, Number two, he's called the husband to be the priest of his home, and the priest is opposite of the prophet. The prophet spoke from God to man. The priest spoke from man to God. When was the last time you took the petitions, men of your family, the dreams, the desires, the needs, the fears, the worries, the concerns, and the anxieties of your family to God. Because that's what we're called to do. Number three, men are called not just to be the prophet of their home, not just the priest of their home, but men are called to be the kings of their home. And kings were responsible for two things, protection and provision. Are you protecting your home? from what the enemy is bringing against your house. And the scripture says, in the midst of the turmoil they worshiped. Our children, not just our children, our wives are watching our response when life gets hard. And the enemy wants to do nothing more than to silence. Because silence is the sound of defeat. Yeah. Silence is the sound of defeat. Yet in the midst of their difficulty, Paul and Silas worshipped. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains fell off. Let me just say this again. What you might be struggling through is not for you alone. There are others hinging on your your faith and your strength. And because of your integrity, the trajectory of other people's lives can shift because of your singular obedience to God. I'm going somewhere with this, and here it is. Notice what the scripture says. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Point number one, recognize the moment. That this moment you are experiencing right now requires a different response than giving up. I hope you hear that. There are things that you and I will encounter that on the surface Look like impossible situations. Look like uh, 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 that, that there's no reason to go on, no reason to, to continue. He looked and saw, and he assumed that all the prisoners had fled, and it would be his fault that the prison doors were open. Listen to me. This guy was about to take his life. And how many of us, in desperate times, make long-term decisions Y'all know where I'm going with this. Because of our present circumstances. Listen to me. This moment was not a moment where this prison guard's life was supposed to end. This was a moment where his life with God was about to begin. Y'all, y'all I hope y'all didn't miss that. There are times in our lives when we'll be pushed in such a corner. That the situation may seem hopeless, but it is the very place and it is the very circumstance that God will use to breathe new life into us. He was about to take his life. I want you to hear this. Desperate people do desperate things, but God was about to use this situation to say, no, 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 no. This this, hey, bro, This isn't where it ends. This is where your new story begins. This is where it begins. And I say that to somebody this morning who just needs a fresh start with God. The pain of where you've been is too unbearable. It's so that's like, why even try? Notice verse 28. Scripture says, but Paul called out to the prison guard and said, and said, do yourself no harm for we are all here. You know what God is saying to each of us this morning? Said, I got you. I'm still with you. I'm right where I've always been. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do yourself no harm. Notice what the man says in the very next verse, verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Listen, listen. I think, and I don't know why this has been so heavy. All week, man, all week, all this week, my wife and I, my wife and I have been praying for families. All this week. We've been praying for families specifically. But even more specifically, we've been praying for your children. It has been an incredible burden. I sent text messages to some of you that I've been praying for. If if you didn't know this now, let me just help you. Uh, uh, If the enemy can't get to you. If he can't get to you. He's going to try to get your children. And he does not play fair. He doesn't play fair. And there was such a tremendous burden on us as I was praying. I said, okay, baby, I was going to do another message, but we have to pray. We have to do a message specifically for families. Notice, notice this man says, what must I do to be saved? Now, check this out the entire trajectory of his life is about to change because Paul's response is this. He says, Philippian jailer, this is what you need to do. If you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your whole house. (laughs) I'm telling you now, I'm telling you what our responsibility is now as parents It's not just about grounding them. (laughs) It's not just about taking the cell phone from them. It's not just about taking their allowance from them. What God is calling us into is that if we get right with him, if we get right with him, we align ourselves with his promise. Notice his promise. You're going to get saved. Your life is going to turn around. You are about to take yourself out in desperation and hopelessness. But if you can get your life right, your whole house, your whole house, your whole house, your whole house. And when I say this, I'm talking to the men first. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. That's the second point. Recognize the moment. This moment is not something that's going to take you out. It's a moment that's going to get you right with God. But in order to get right with God, I have to accept personal responsibility and say, God, I desperately need you. You be the Lord of my house. You be the Lord of my family. And I know this ain't no cool, sexy message because we all want to learn uh, seven steps to another level, nine steps to this, but the scripture says, that we have a responsibility to cover our children and to cover our families. And the promise keeper declares, he says, if you will get saved, not only will you be saved, but your whole, your whole house. So we got to take personal responsibility. Notice what we've done, though. Notice what we've done. We've outsourced. We've outsourced our faith. We've outsourced our faith. And we've made it the responsibility of someone else when God has called us to be self-feeders when it comes to our faith. Man, there's so much I want to say there, but I got to let my wife jump in, baby. I know you've been waiting. (laughs) Jump on in. Jump on in.
2: All right. Well, I want to encourage the men also uh, just listening as as is speaking. It just seems such a tremendous weight on men. And as I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, it just seems like it's so hard for the men. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's why they have to turn to God. Good. And so be encouraged is that that weight that has been placed upon you. It's not an unfair thing. God has given it to you so that You can roll the care of that thing onto him. So be encouraged. But we need you to be in your place. If you are out of place, then we're out of place. My granddaddy Levi used to say, if the head ain't right, the tail show can't follow. Mm. Come on. And so if our men are out of place, then it is harder for everything else to be in place. Yeah. But now also don't let this message be a message of condemnation. Like, oh, my goodness, I've missed it. Notice the jailer had a job, had a family. And until the moment he was going to encounter God, he just, I mean, that decision to take his own life was a selfish one. He was worried about his own reputation. He was thinking that he, me, myself, and I, I failed. And this is how I'm going to handle the situation. But there was hope for him. Yeah. In the 11th hour and 59th second, there was hope for him. Mm. And as believers universally, if we're in place and if we're in relationship with God, when someone is in trouble, we can cry out to them. Hold up. You don't have to give up. You don't have to go out. And so understand that the mandate on our lives is not one of perfection. Good. It is not one that will be absent of mistakes or regrets, Mm. but God is calling us to just turn to him. If wives, you may be here by yourself and your husband isn't following after God, that is not for you to feel condemned and feel all bad or to be ashamed. That gives you a prime opportunity to pray. If our children are not doing what they're supposed to do, that doesn't mean that you've been a bad parent. Mm. You can't look and say, oh my goodness, where did I fail? We all fail. We all fail. That gives us an opportunity to turn to God. And I'm just real radical when it comes to the children, um, to our children. I think a little bit can be, um, I struggle with a, a I don't want to say it, but we're just going to talk real. I struggle with a fear with them being uh, children of, of pastors. That people will try to speak curses on Nia and Levi. They'll say, oh, they're pastor's kids, so you know they're going to go astray. And I just rebuke them. I never allow them. We don't allow Nia and Levi to identify as pastor's kids. We tell them that they are Harmons, and this is how we roll. Good. But we live in a very real world, and Nia goes to a real, live, public high school. Right. So I know that there is a world of things that she is able to be exposed to, and I have got to trust God. I can take a cell phone, and I don't have to do that with her. She doesn't give us any trouble because I make sure of that, too. But I can do all of these things, and she can be nice little sweet Nia, while she's at the house. And I know that life happens, but there is a stance of radicalness that I will just take. Sometimes I'll just feel it. I'll just grab me some oil. And while they're asleep, I just go anoint their head with oil. And I pray all over their bed. I don't wake them up and I just go for it. And I have to do that one for their protection, but that's how I keep my fear down. That's how I, Nia was, and I shared it with you last week. She witnessed the fight at school, and it's a whole situation. So I emailed the counselor because she was all upset. And I'm telling you, she didn't want to catch the bus that morning. I drove her to school, and I'm telling you, I'm just choking back tears. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm going to let her walk through these doors, but I got to trust you. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm bargaining with the Lord. I'm like, I serve you. I mean, even telling you the story now is making me cry because I'm a mother. And I'm like, Jesus, I serve you. And I tithe. You got to keep my children. Lord, let them never stray into the far country. But guess what? I'm human and they're human too. Yeah. And so we have to roll the care. So men, this weight that you have on you, don't allow this message to make you feel hopeless. Bring mommy some tissue. Don't allow yourself to feel hopeless but be full of hope that God has crowned you with a strength and a grace that we can never fabricate. I don't care how many walks on Washington and wash marches on Washington and how many t-shirts of femininity that we have as there ain't nothing like a man. And we need you Come And There's nothing like a godly man. Come on. And so There is no condemnation. No. We are all in this fight together. If we could be disqualified. My mother and father, my biological father, they were never married. My mother was a single mother at 21 years old, 1970. She worked at a bank. She was like, Lord, what am I going to do? She loved my father. He was 10 years older than her. And she's like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So she was going to get rid of me. And my granddaddy, Levi, said, oh, no, Lois. If we got to sell lemonade out on the street for a nickel of glass, you're going to have this baby and everything's going to be all right. And at Thanksgiving, my mother sits at the table and sometimes she just cries. She's just so full of joy because the shame that she carried. As making a decision. To keep a baby. In 1970. Mm. And now she can look at how faithful God has been to good. her.
1: Good, good, Awesome. And so,
2: awesome. when we're talking about families, we're not coming from a place that everything has been perfect. We come from very, raised parents have been together almost 50 years now. Mm-hmm. My parents weren't ever married. My mother married my stepfather when I was 18 months old, so I call him daddy. daddy. So, I can come from a place of, I can, I'm speaking from a place of imperfection. And so, we want you to be encouraged that you don't have to be perfect, but you just keep submitting yourselves to God. My mother wasn't a believer at that time when she had me. It was later on in life and she introduced me to Jesus by taking me to church on Christmas, Easter, and maybe Mother's Day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I got to Sunday school. Good. And they let me go to Wednesday night service. I could catch the bus when I turned 12. And I was able to get a hold of Jesus. And so where my mom was thinking that oh she had done so wrong or where she had just kept so much shame. God is turning that around to let her know that at almost, she'll be 70 in June, she can look back over her life and see that God really has been with her. And that though things haven't been perfect, that he's been faithful. So we want to encourage you with that. Wherever you find yourself in your family dynamic, is you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Good. You just keep praying. I'm not, you know, if you don't want to get up in the middle of the night with oil and sling it all over your kids while they're asleep, it's okay. (laughs) It is okay. But you can just, while you're driving, you can say, Lord, just keep them. If you Hmm. don't even have children, pray for somebody else's kids. Pray Hmm. for your heart's desires. Just thank God. Just find a reason that you come from a family. And if it's broken and busted, that's Okay is it we're all here together trying for the same goal. Lord, just help me make it.
1: Good word. Good word. Awesome word. Awesome word. We're about to wrap up, but I want to keep that promise in front of us today. From Acts chapter 16, it says, you will be saved and your household. Notice what James Baldwin said. Uh, James Baldwin said, children have never been good at listening. They've never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. And that's why what we do as parents is critical. They may not listen to what we have to say, but they have always been good at imitating what we do. And when we bring our lives under the lordship and authority of Jesus, they begin to follow suit. So what do I do? Start now. Frederick Douglass said it this way, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Where do we start? we start right here we start right now by not only teaching them the word of god but by living the word of god in front of them you had deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9 would you read that yes and then and we'll also in
2: encouragement as we talk to the men i referred to my grandfather i believe that the grace that my mother has been under and that the grace that is over our lives right now is because my grandfather, he loved God. So good. And he walked with him. And I think that his prayers and his faith is what is and has sustained our family. Deuteronomy 6 4 through 9 out of the New Living Translation says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. And all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them around your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. And so this is a scripture from the Old Testament saying, hey, parents, we cannot outsource your children's faith. You can't wait for the church Sunday school. I mean, those are days of old. Uh, I think um, even in my grandfather's generation. I don't think that his generation was so much, in certain uh, denominations, they weren't taught really to have a relationship with God. It was like, just come to church and don't do this and and pray and you'll be fine. But as we are growing and knowing that we can have a personal relationship, as parents, we are supposed to be big arrows always pointing our children to God. And so God is saying, you just talk about it. It's not like you don't have to sit down and make them... um, memorize scripture or make them go to church you talking about God it just should be a normal part it can be a normal part of your life like with the children I don't say Nia have you been praying is that gonna make her pray Mm -mm. when she comes to kiss us to say good night I say don't forget to talk to Jesus just like I would say have you talked to Savannah Jesus is our friend. I don't get on her. I don't. When it comes time for us to pray and have our family time, we do that. But it, when Levi's going to bed, I say, don't forget to talk to Jesus. I'm pointing them to him, but it is not my duty to uh, manipulate or to mold their personal relationship. But we just talk about it. When I'm dealing with, when Nia and I are talking, when I picked her up, for, when she came home from school, I was like, oh, you made it through. I said, girl, your mama had to pray. I had to make me two coffees today and I talk about (laughs) my struggles and I say, but I'm just like, I told you to pray. I had to pray. I had to stand by and just say, Oh Lord. I said, I didn't get chills. Say, how was your day today? I said, Oh, I didn't get much done because my tummy was upset and I was praying. And I just talked to her appropriately about my trust in the Lord concerning she and Levi. Mm. I'll talk to her about if she had a situation, Um, At school, and I said, let's just pray for them. Levi is in Awana, so we'll be with other children around. And we'll talk about the children in Awana or situations that happen. And I'll say, let's just pray for them. So when you're talking uh, uh, with your kids, it's not this set regimented way to do it. It's just you can just express your life. And you can say, hey, is there anything, if you don't know how to start a conversation with them, just say, is there anything that I can be praying for you about? And there is something that Levi, I'm not going to share because I didn't get his permission, but there's something that Levi is believing for. And it could seem so far-fetched, but you know what? We pray with him about this dream that he has. And so we're praying and we're believing God right along with him and we'll see it come to pass and we can, and he won't say, Oh, this is what mommy and daddy did. He'll say, Oh, look what God has done for me. And so just be encouraged. If you don't know where to start, just ask them, is there any way that I can pray for you? You can ask your kids, do you have any questions about God? Now, when you ask them that you're opening up dialogue, you don't have to have the answers. Let me tell you, if you can't get to Ray and I, Google is your friend. (laughs) (laughs) I can be, I have, uh, there's an older lady that uh, she sends me a daily devotional every single morning and she has done this for about four years and so uh, her daughter goes to church here so sometime and she was living out of state she just moved back to Texas but she had a question she and another friend were in a debate about where the scripture was so she called me one morning and she said Pastor Wendy I have a question and I said okay she said I'm sure you would know this while I am on the phone with her I am googling because she's like do you know where the scripture is I said just give me one minute and I'm Googling whatever the tag phrase was and I came up with I said it might be right here in First Timothy. I tell her Google help me but you know whatever works because we turn it back to the Lord. (laughs) So parents you don't have to have every single answer. You can always say that is good. Say, let me think about it. I never thought about it like that. Let's try to look it up. There are so many resources. Or you can. You can always send an email to info at City Church. And, like, I did not give Google credit. You don't have to give us credit. You just get the answer and you can share with them. So that's just a tangible way you can start If you where it may not be awkward. You can just talk about, hey, as a family, this is um, – this is what we want to trust God for. If there's there is a big trip we wanted to take and we didn't take it last year, but this year we have been putting money aside. We've been believing to go on this trip, so it'll be next summer. And that's something we've been doing as a family. And the children won't just say, oh, we just went on this nice trip. They know that we didn't go last year. We've taken time to believe God and to save and work toward it. And so those are types of things that you can do as a family where you're interjecting God in your daily living.
1: Very good. Uh, This is where we close. This is where we close uh, with the story of the Philippian jailer. Uh, The promise is simply this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved and your household. Uh, Notice verse 32. It says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Speaking of Paul and Silas, he brought them into his home and he cared for them. Verse 34 says, now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Uh, Here is the fulfillment of the promise and what I believe God wants to do today is he wants to begin to rewrite the story. How does that happen? Number one, I recognize the moment that this difficulty, this tension I'm experiencing is not for me to throw in the towel or to quit. It's actually for me to turn to God. The second thing is I accept responsibility. What must I do? What must I do to shift the trajectory of what happens in my family, to bring my family under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And notice, when we do that, we have an opportunity to rewrite the story in our children's lives. Uh, Dr. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Joshua said it this way. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Pastor Ray, well, what's that? What? this entire message, what was that really all about? I just want to come back to the burden that Wendy and I had this morning for families in City Church. And as I was praying, um, uh, man, I just, and oftentimes when I pray, man, I just get these vivid pictures, I don't know if they're reminders of things I've read, things I've heard before, but there are parts of India where they train wild elephants. And when they train the wild elephants, what they do is they will tie a a, 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 a heavy gauge rope around one of the legs of the, the elephant And uh, they would put several stakes in the ground. They will tie the rope around several stakes. And at first, it'll be kind of loose and and the elephant will start to walk away from the camp. And then uh, once all the slack is out of the rope, uh, the elephant will stop and it will kick as hard as it can. But it won't be able to go any further because the rope is staked down. And it will continue to do it. Day after day, day after day, day after day, until they notice that the elephant goes to the edge of the the, the camp and no longer kicks. And then they take the rope off and they take the stakes apart and they allow the elephant to roam. But what the elephant does is it only goes as far as the edge of the camp, even though it's now free to go as far as it wants to go. As I was praying for families here at City Church, the Lord just brought that picture back to my remembrance. He says, for many of the kids, they're going to do some stuff. Some of them are going to, they're going to go out to the very edge. But because of what you have put in them, I'm talking about you parents, because of what you have put in them, they will only go so far. I want you to hear that as a parent to be encouraged this morning. There are some of you worried about what's next for your kids as they prepare to go to college, the military. In fact, we're going to pray for Jalen. He's leaving for the Navy on Tuesday. Uh, Parents are concerned. But I really felt this impression in my heart as I was praying for families that they will only go so far and no more because the gracious hand of the Lord is upon them. Notice the prodigal son God gave him a moment of clarity, gave him just one moment of clarity, and that's what we're praying that God will do for all of our children. And you can stand upon this promise from God's word in Acts chapter 16, that I will be saved and my house. I want to pray for you with every head bowed. Every eye this
0: we hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info@citychurchtv.com. If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.